Well, we are have been told all of our lives to count our blessings. We were reminded of it in that song just a few minutes ago. And no, Hayden and I didn't plan that, did we, Hayden? But no, yeah, we've been told, count your blessings. Name them one by one. We should be a people who are grateful. After all, the gift of eternal life is given to us through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen, church? Yeah. But we should not let it stop there with being people who are grateful for what we've been given. Because we should be a people who bless others. And so the title of this morning's message is, Be the Blessing. Jesus himself said in Matthew seven twelve, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now if you notice those words, do to others what you would have them do to you. Have them. Those are words that indicate desired action. Jesus is saying, those things that you desire that someone else would do for you, you be the person that does those things for someone else. Be the blessing. And we see in Acts chapter 9 that there is an example for us. An example for us of someone who was indeed a blessing to others. We're going to pick this up in verse 36. In Joppa, there was a a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Now if you know what comes next in the story... You know that they revive Sister Tabitha. It is a wonderful thing. It is a blessing. But why were the people around her grieving so? Because she was a blessing to others. What were they anxious to tell Peter about Tabitha? They were able to say, Look, look at all this clothing that she made for other people. Look at these wonderful robes that she made. And we know that she was, according to Luke who wrote Acts, she was always doing good and helping the poor. What a blessing her life was to others. She had a skill set. She had a talent. 
And so she was using those skills and talents in a very deliberate and meaningful way. And in so doing, she was blessing the poor. She was blessing the lives of other people. Some might say it was a fairly insignificant thing she was doing. I would say quite the contrary. She was blessing the lives of people that could have easily been forgotten by others. What a blessing she was. What an example she is for us. I imagine in her lifetime she never would have imagined that on the other side of the world some 2,000 years later people would be reading about her and discussing one aspect of her life. But praise God for a sister who used her talent and her ability and chose to take the time to bless other people. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Something we talk about from time, time to time is in relationships. Not being people who are transactional. That it's human nature a lot of times to do something for someone because you're setting yourself up for a favor some point down the road. And of course, the problem with that is that you're not really doing something for someone out of love for them or to bless them. You're doing something for them so that you yourself will receive a blessing later on. This little verse in Proverbs reminds us that it's God that does the blessing, right church? And that if we will just love the people around us, if we will serve the people around us, if we will simply be the blessing, then we in turn will receive blessings. On the NFL Network, there's a lady that's on there quite a bit. Her name is Cynthia Freeland. And uh, this screenshot has even has a little shot of her resume. When people come on NFL Network, they try to remind people that this is why this person is talking about football. It's because they've won X number of Super Bowls and they've been to X number of Pro Bowls. And, of course, she never played in the league, obviously. But it says here that she's an NFL Network analyst. They call her an expert and that she has a Master of Science in Predictive Analytics and, oh, also an MBA from an MBA from Northwestern. And so I don't know exactly what predictive analytics is. That sounds, you know, pretty smart stuff right there. But yeah, she basically breaks down stuff and she analyzes and she figures out the probability of a team to, you know, to, you know which team is going to win on a given week based on the past. And so she predicts people's performance. The reason I'm bringing her up in a sermon today, it's not even football season after all, is because this past week I heard her interviewed on a podcast. And uh, Mike Keith, who's the play-by-play guy for Titans Radio, is interviewing her and he says, you know, have you ever been offered 
uh, jobs by NFL teams? She said, absolutely. She said, uh, she said several. And she said, I've worked as a consultant for about 12 or 13 different teams in the league. And she said, but I've got a job that I like. And she said, I enjoy blessing others by helping them find their dream job. And so there are a lot of people that would love to work for an NFL team. And so her stance is, hey, I've, I've got the job I want. Instead of just telling people no, I'm going to tell them who they should hire or give them a list of names. Here's your short list. I would start with these people. These are qualified, excellent people. And she loves it when somebody later comes up to her and says, hey, I got that job. Thank you so much. She could just be happy with her own job, but she takes the time to bless others by helping them find good jobs. On that same podcast, they interviewed Ben Jones. Ben Jones is an Alabama farm boy, played college football at the University of Georgia, and he recently, uh, recently in this last uh, week or so, signed a new contract. He's the starting center for the Tennessee Titans and signed a new contract. But what I appreciated about Ben Jones in this interview, because Mike Keith said, hey, you've been in the league a while. He said, we weren't your only offer, were we? He said, oh no. He said, when you've been around the league as long as I have, he said, he said you get noticed. And he said, I've played in a lot of games. Matter of fact, of 104 possible starts, he's been available for 103 of them as a Tennessee Titan. He's missed one game. Now, in a game as brutal and physical as football is, that's remarkable. But here's why I'm talking about Ben Jones this morning in a message titled, Be the Blessing. Because Ben Jones replied to Mike Keith and said, you know, there were, there were lots of offers. He said, but there's more about this than money. He said, there's a spiritual aspect to this. And he said, my wife Alex and I started a foundation some time ago. And we work to bless the lives of underprivileged children in Nashville and Middle Tennessee. And he said... You know, if we were to go somewhere else, he said we would have had to have start over. It would have removed us from the relationships that we've forged over the last several years. An impressive interview. I'd never heard the guy really interviewed. I'd seen him celebrating after wins. I'd seen him do some great things on the football field. But I'd never heard him talking about a spiritual aspect of making a decision about where your family is going to be for the next couple of years. And so this is somebody that could simply invest his millions and store it up for the future. But he and his wife are not doing that. They're using their notoriety in the community and their relationships to bless the lives of others. They know what it's like to be the blessing. And so the Jones mission. And when the word mission is in the title of your foundation, it says something, most likely, about your spirituality. And so then we come to Acts chapter 18. And in Acts chapter 18, we read about a couple 
that work together. Every time they're mentioned in Scripture, they're mentioned about six times in New Testament Scripture. And every time they are mentioned together. And so we look at Acts chapter 18 beginning with verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And then we skip down to verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centre because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For, his vig for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Pretty good chunk of scripture there. Thanks for hanging in with me. Now, we are introduced to Aquila and Priscilla. Or as they're often referred, Priscilla and Aquila. But what we find there is that they look upon Apollos and we're told that he was an educated guy. He's a learned man. And that he was doing a lot of good things there. But he only knew of John's baptism. Now John, if you recall, when he was preaching out in the region of the Jordan, he was baptizing people for the forgiveness of their sins. But... It wasn't a baptism in which to receive the Holy Spirit. And so, I have no doubt that Priscilla and Aquila say, Hey, come on home. Come to our house and let's talk. Let's talk about all this. This is great stuff. And so, he goes to their house and spends time with them. And they poured into him. They took the time. 
And so they strengthened his preaching. They strengthened his knowledge. And the reason I read that last part is because we're told then that he was a blessing to others. Because it says when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. And so by this one couple taking their time to pour into this one preacher, then the kingdom of God is benefited from that. How often, church, do we have the time to take someone sort of under our wing and mentor them? We don't have to make a a big production out of it, do we? We don't have to say, hey, I want to be your mentor. That might get a little weird, a little awkward. But I have people in my life that I look back on And I say that person was a mentor to me. They never came and said, Greg, I want to mentor you. But they came and they established a relationship. And I looked upon them because of their knowledge, because of their ability, because of their seasoned walk with God. And when they spoke, I listened. And there were times... When I needed some advice, I needed some help. And I was able to call on them and bounce things off of them. And say, hey, I've got this situation going on. How would you handle this? Well, you know, Greg, I've been in that same situation before. Or maybe it's, you know, I've not been in that same situation. But given what you've told me, this is how I think I would handle it going forward. And it's simply that other people are willing to take the time to make me a better person. In some cases, a better husband, a better father. In some cases, maybe a better minister. Oh, I can only hope. But church family, Priscilla and Aquila chose to be the blessing. For someone else. Who is it that's around you that you can bless? Sometimes it might be that happenstance thing. You run into somebody, maybe it's a complete stranger. And then you can do something to bless them. Think about a lifetime of people who have stopped to help you at different times along the way. Think about who might have over the years poured into you and made you better at your vocation or made you better in this thing called life. They were a blessing to you, but don't let it stop there, church, because we are called to be a blessing to others. In Romans 16, 3, mistake there, it actually should say 3 through 5, but Paul concluding the letter to the folks in Rome, and he says, greet Prisca, which is another name for Priscilla. So greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks 
to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the house, greet the church, excuse me, that is in their house. Some translations, greet, greet the church that meets in their home. And so they weren't merely a blessing to Apollos. We find by reading one of these kind of obscure places, you know, the end of a, of a long letter to the folks in Rome, that we, they get this little mention. But this mention is significant, isn't it? I mean, Paul says, hey, they risked their lives for me. And it's not just me that owe them gratitude, but it's all the churches in the region. It's all the churches of the Gentiles. And we know that they are hosting a church in their home. What are they doing, church? They are people who are being the blessing to someone else. And that is exactly what we are called to do. Even in those times, because Scripture even covers it, when someone might not be blessing us, someone might actually be treating us poorly. Because people can be mean sometimes. That's just a reality on this side of glory. I look forward to that other side of glory. Well, there's no mean people. Yeah, won't that be grand? Yeah, but unfortunately, as I look back on my life, there may have been some times that I was the mean person. And oh, I hope they've forgiven me for that. Oh dear God, please forgive me for that. But, we see in 1 Peter 3, 9, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, Peter writes... Repay evil with what church? Blessing. That's right. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Yeah. Even those people, Peter writes, that do evil. Even those people that insult you. Don't don't give it back to them in the form they gave to you. Why? Because what did Jesus say back in... Matthew 7, 12. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And so Peter is saying that very same thing, just in a more specific way. Boy, even those people that are nasty, even those people that are just hateful or rude or downright mean, even the people that have insulted you, don't, don't insult them back. Find a way to bless them. Find a way to bless them. That even to those people, we are called to be the blessing. If you're with us today, and you do not yet, uh, you've not yet taken the time not yet taken advantage of the opportunity, I might say, to become a child of God, then we invite you to do so. We're going to stand and sing a song in just a minute. But as we sing this song, 
as we invite people to come forward if they have a need for something in prayer. Invite people to come forward if they would, for the first time in their life, like to put on Christ in baptism. I don't want you to let your mind become distracted about what you're going to do next. I urge you during this time as we sing this song to be thinking about how you can bless someone else this week. As we gather in groups tonight, you're going to have an opportunity to talk more specifically about that. You're going to have an opportunity to think about how you can bless others to discuss with like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ how you have the opportunity to step up the game of being a blessing to others. Even on social media this week, pay attention to what you post. Pay attention to what you like. Pay attention to your comments. Are your comments a blessing? Or are you simply piling on in negativity? Because church family, that's wrong. And there's no place in that in God's kingdom. If you're going to engage in social media, be the blessing. Even on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is you do. Something my wife shared, a post of someone else's. You cannot do all the good in the world, but the world needs all the good you can do. And church, isn't that true? That the world needs all the good that we as individuals can muster. And so, as we engage the world around us, whether it's in person or electronically, let's be a blessing. Let's be salt and light to those around us. Those who see our comments. Those who see our posts. Church, we have an opportunity every day to leave this place and go out and be a blessing. Let's do that. If you're with us today and you have the needs I've mentioned previously, we invite you to respond. Let's stand and sing.